0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Erin Tennant. Erin is the owner of Grow Well Coaching. She is a mindset coach and consultant for personal and professional wellness. She helps her clients go from overwhelmed to thriving by working with them to improve on their skill sets of their self-awareness and self-regulation practices to grow well and live better. Erin and I had a really lovely conversation about mindset, wellness, thought work, and self-awareness and self-regulation. If you're in the corporate world and struggling with consistency or sustained energy, you're going to love this conversation. How are you going today, Erin? I am doing very well. How are you? I am fabulous. I was, for those people who are listening, we were just talking that Erin is a plant mum. She's not just a plant mum, but she's a plant aunt. She's a plant everything. Awesome. If, you, if you're listening to this, you won't be able to see her plant in the background, but she's very much a plant caretaker.
1: Yes. I we were discussing, I think I'm up to around 45. 45- plants. And I have to stop myself when I'm at a Home Depot, a Lowe's, a coffee shop that's selling plants. If I'm in Columbus, Ohio, we have a plant library. My husband's like, you are not allowed to go there. There's no checking out plants like for life. Like, so we kind of made the pact that around summertime, I can get a little crazy outside and do the landscaping. And Mother's Day, I always get a plant for my birthday because it's getting a little crazy in our house. And we also have cats and a dog and kids and I'm not living in a McMansion. So yeah. I love that plants are your thing. I am such a typical girl. It's like,
0: get me the nails, get me the shoes, get me the Lululemons, like, yeah. And you're just
1: like, I just want to be plants in my life. <laughs> I just want plants, coffee and dogs. I mean, trust me, I'm down for a good mani-pedi. Spa, <laughs> hair, like I'm here for it. I love, and Lulu's, I am not... Ha- tried Lulu's. I've never purchased Lulu's, but I'm really excited, and I love the old Navy power soft um brand of uh, active wear leggings that they have. Like they are mm. phenomenal, so I'm gonna plug them because they're my jam, and, and they always have the side pockets, nice medium to tight compression so everything can hold in, whether you're doing yoga or running or walking. You can dress them up, dress them down, so I'm plugging Old Navy. I love that. I'll have to get in touch with them, see
0: if we can just like chuck an affiliate link in there. There you you go. There you go.
1: First sponsor. There you go.
0: (laughs) I love that. So I do love that we started chatting about plants, but you know, when we weren't recording, because your brand is actually Go Well, Grow Well Coaching. Yeah. And we were having a chat about holistic fitness. We were talking that. You know, you help people with overwhelm and self regulation, but mm-hmm. I feel like anyone that goes on this journey where they choose to coach other people, there's some sort of backstory. There's some sort of reason as to why they're in that position today. Can you share more about what what the context of your story was for me to know how you got here?
1: Yeah, I would love to share. Um, so, rewind, child hood for Aaron at that time, Knable now tenant, um, typical child, uh, typical weight. Um, I grew up, unfortunately in a home where there was a lot of trauma and addiction, but loving parents did the best they could. Um, and I, unfortunately, as a child was put on a diet when I was eight years old. And one of the Newest revelations I've had through my own coaching and therapy experience is that I was not an overweight child, but being put on a diet created an overweight mentality and an identity for myself and a body.
2: Mm. And
1: so, starting around eight or nine years old, which really resonates with me because my daughter, she's eight and she is That's not crazy. overweight, nor is she not on a diet. And if she was overweight, we would not be dieting, and we'll get into that later. But, um, And this is some of the self-development work I've done and growth work I've done to realize that and make peace with that. Um, But I wanted to understand the root of what was happening for me. So that's when it started. That's when it happened. And from there, my weight kept, I kept gaining weight. My body kept getting bigger. I developed an unfortunate and um, distorted relationship with food and my body and myself. So with dieting, we know there's a lot of restriction. And with restriction comes deprivation. And deprivation comes fuck it mode. And when we're in fuck it mode, it's binge mode. It's like, oh, give me this extreme hit of dopamine because I have been struggling. I've been you know, depriving myself of the pleasure of food because I diets are telling me food, is you should not get pleasure from food. Food is only fuel and you should not have this relationship with it. But I've always loved food. I've always enjoyed how it made me feel and the experience of it. And it was the consistent thing that I recognized in my childhood that brought me joy since I was experiencing trauma as a child and food was always available. So I developed this distorted relationship with food that I carried throughout my adolescence, my teen years, and well into my adult life. And I struggled my whole life. And, you know, on one or two diets, I had success, but I could never sustain it and would always gain the weight back. Mm. And I pushed over 300 pounds. I'm 5'8". I pushed over 300 pounds. And it was very uncomfortable for me to be in that body. And to be in that specific relationship with food. And I always knew that I wanted something different. I wanted a different relationship. I wanted with myself and my body and food. So I finally came to this realization that looking at my husband, looking at close friends and family, that I could have a different story. I could have a different narrative. These were people modeling healthy relationships with food. They were eating cake. They were eating pasta. They were eating bread. They were also eating fruits and vegetables. They were also eating forms of protein. They were moving their body. And they did not have the same relationships that I was having. So I knew I could change it and it was possible for me. So I made the decision that I was never going to go on a fucking diet again. Yes, I dropped (laughs) it because I feel very passionate about that. And I was going to unlearn what I learned from diets. I was going to question everything I learned that all those unintentional thoughts my brain, were, brain was giving me like, oh, carbs are bad, 1200 calories. Um, you should only eat for certain amount of hours. These types of food are good. These types of food are bad. And I question everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I kind of threw it all in the garbage and I started over and I said, what do I want to do? I want to be able to eat whatever food, whenever food, whenever I want in a way that would support a healthy ideal weight for me and my body. And so I had to unlearn a lot of what I'm going to call unhealthy and bad habits. And I had to learn new habits and form new behaviors towards food, towards myself, towards my body. So I did that. And I came up with these like th- years of doing this work. It took me about two to three years to lose over a- 130 pounds without dieting. Cause it was a lot of what I like to call trial and correction. It was like trying things, oh, this worked and it worked for a while. And then it would stall. I would have to kind of switch it up, change it up. And I finally, after looking back, reflecting, evaluate my journey, I came up with five tips that I think are useful and helpful and could be necessary for weight loss. And I use these with my clients and I'm not saying anyone has to do these, but I want people to say, hey, if this worked for her, how could it be possible for me? Do I do the exact thing? Do I do something different? How do I use what she did for myself? Mm. And so those five tips really came down to eating consistently every every day. So that means that I'm eating two to four hours every day, four to six meals or snacks four to six times a day, because I need to fuel my body and I need to fuel my brain and Mm. food is fuel. So that's number one. Number two, focus on protein. Protein was awesome for me. Protein was so helpful and useful in keeping me full
3: and regulating my insulin. Three was move my body every day as a form of self-care.
1: For sure. It was not about, okay, calories in, calories out, sweating, doing crazy cardio. It was just about moving my body as a form of self-care and to honor my body. I love that. This was a big one for me. Giving myself permission to eat for physical and for emotional hunger. And what I describe emotional hunger is anything outside of physical hunger. So you're at a birthday, you just ate food, but there's cake and it looks amazing and delicious. And as a a sugar lover, I'm going to eat some cake, even though I'm not physically hungry. Yeah, I just ate a meal, but I'm going to enjoy some cake or it's after dinner. I just ate, and this is my prime time, you know, between the hours of seven and eight when we're winding down the night. I've got two kids, six and eight. We're watching the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and we love to have snacks and watch our show together. I'm not physically hungry, but I like to sit and nosh that Mm -hmm. that's a hit of dopamine for me and doing it in a way that feels good. And I can lose weight. And then the other tip was nothing's off the table. There's no bad foods. There's no good foods. There's no foods to shy away from but it's about focusing more on the foods that make me feel good, like fueling my body and foods I really get excited about eating. So those were like the five pillars, the five tips, like the five commandments that I just kind of follow every day. And when I became consistent and clear about that and flexible, intentional, I was able to lose that 130 pounds and keep it off. And I still do that. I travel. I I don't plan ahead of time. Uh, When I'm sick, you know, work is in and out. So like, there's no, there's no like pushing me up against a wall. Like I can maneuver with any of this. I can succeed with these pillars. So that was very important to me to figure out like my five commandments that I could just keep the rest of my life. And if I could focus on doing that consistently, I would succeed. Mm. And I did, and I just i'm so I feel so grateful, so blessed that I poured into myself before it was too late, before my life was over, before I was diagnosed with something that was irreversible. Mm. And so I'm just so I don't know, I just feel so grateful that I was able to prioritize my health and well-being with my relationship with food, my body, and myself.
0: mm. And that kind of been an easy journey. Thank you so much for sharing that and sharing all the detail and the tips as well, Erin. You know, losing 130 pounds after that programming that you've had since such a young age to always diet and to almost like hate your body or have some sort of dysmorphia in your body in some ways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I still do. Like I still have the thoughts of that you have stretch marks or your belly's yeah. bloated after a long day of just doing and being. And and I, I don't have a typical body and I'm really learning to accept the old programming, but not allowing it to dictate my emotional and physical and spiritual and mental well-being. I know it's just a part of me, but I don't allow it to be my truth, if that makes sense. Totally.
0: And another question like, what is a typical body as well? Like, it's, I feel like we have access to so much more. You know, we did in the 80s, I wasn't around then, but compare ourselves to tabloids and magazines. But now we have filters we can compare ourselves to. (laughs) Um, And there's video filters too. So I, I feel like, like I have stretch marks, and I'm what people would consider thin, but it's like so many of these things are just normal as well, but we beat ourselves up over
1: it, yeah, well, I was just like today what and and I think the reason I picked typical was because i I took a hot yoga class today, and yeah. I was scanning around the room, and I noticed my body looked different than most, it was larger, it was rounder. It was curvier. It was older than most people. And I was like, cool. Mm. Thank you for showing up here. And it's not a body that I would ever have. I was born in 84. So I spent my adolescence looking at people, looking at Star Magazine, uh, Vogue, Teen Vogue. I never saw representation of my body until I think like in the 2000s, they had a plus size model who happened to be a size six or eight. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, (laughs) this is utter garbage. But if that's all you see, and that's all you know, and that's what the media is telling you is beautiful and the standard. And if you're not that, if you don't see them, then you don't know. And, and, and I didn't have parents telling me Mm. You know what? This is wrong. What the media is doing is wrong. You are beautiful. So I had no one telling me this. I had no one telling me that you were made perfectly and nothing needs to change. Mm. You should love yourself. And, and that's that's what I'm trying to break for my children, especially for my daughter and for my son. Just you are perfect in your inherent beauty, just the way you were made. And your body is going to change and your brain's going to change and your personality is going to... It's meant to change. We're meant to be fluid. We're meant to grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's absolute bullshit that the plus size models were size six because I'm 5'9 as well. So I'm tall as well. So of course I'm a size six and I think I look awesome. I actually had the opposite experience to you growing up. So my mom was really small, like a size two and because she was so small, she thought my curves were so beautiful because she struggled to put on weight and doctors told her to put on more weight and stuff. So I had the experience that you're trying to embed in your children um, where I had a really positive role model, female role model. And even though I am a size six and even though I am you know, significantly above average in terms of height, all oh, that's a battle that I've not had to face. So I'm actually really curious about that what does it look like when you're eight years old and your parents put you on a diet? Like what sort of beliefs are you given at that age?
1: You need fixed. There is something wrong with you. You're not good enough. There's a problem with you. And and so throughout my work of therapy and coaching, my underneath all of this is a lot of shame. mm and and when we do that to ourselves and to our children, we just create this shame cycle. And I am even at 39 years old, working through that unintentional shame of, I'm not good enough. There is something wrong with me.
3: And it fucking sucks. Yeah. To always be
1: like battling yourself. And so... I just said, I'm, I'm not fighting myself anymore. I'm, I'm going to accept that shame is just a part of who I am. And part of accepting that has allowed me to let go of it and not hold on to it and not fight it and just not waste energy. And I think that's what I was doing with food for a long time was I felt a lot of shame. And so I would eat and then I would eat some more and I would overindulge and I would overeat because it felt so good. Mm. And then I would find myself back in shame for
3: eating.
0: And it's just crazy how the shame attracted shame. Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. To me, it's also mind boggling how you're put on a diet at a healthy weight with the intention to stay a healthy weight or to maybe become an unhealthy weight. But then you ended up putting on, you ended up being like 300 pounds, which...
1: Is you know overweight, so it, it it was counterintuitive. Well, my mother, God rest her soul, she did the best she could. She suffered from bipolar personality mood disorder. She had eating disorders herself. My dad was emotionally unavailable and just checked out and compartmentalized and in his own world. And I also had a brother with behavioral issues and drug addiction. So there was just like no time to focus on me really like and 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 care for me and attune to my needs. It was like a fucking shit show. Yeah. And that's and I think what I want people to take away from this is not poor me, poor you, whatever. We all have our traumas, whether they're big T's, little T's, we all have negative thoughts, negative emotions, experiences. But as adults, it is possible. To get out of what we picked up, what we developed as children. And that's a big takeaway. So if you are listening and you're an adult and this resonates with you, and maybe it's with food, maybe it's with alcohol, maybe it's with sex, it's with drugs, it's whatever it is. Just know you can unlearn that as an adult. You can find the tools and the strategies. You can get the help And give yourself the space and grace to figure it out and do it the way that you want to do it that will work best for you.
0: Mm. And I love that you mentioned that you can get out of it. And something I noticed in your language earlier as well was trial and correction. Mm. Can you tell me more about that to me felt like very intentional language. Oh, yes. Can you tell me more about that trial and correction phase and the phase that you went through to you know, essentially reprogram yourself.
3: Yeah. So I've
1: always used trial and error. When y- you are shame based, that's what I like to call it, you got a lot of shame underneath the layers. Air, doing something wrong, um, mistakes, those are triggers for people who have shame based emotions or shame based identity. So mm-hmm. if I'm working towards
3: something, there's no mistake.
1: There's no error for me. Mm. It's just a correction, and that feels so right to me. So when I was losing the weight, and I would do something, and it worked for a little bit, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's not working," you know, and and I'm gonna try something else, and I'm gonna try this, so I'm gonna try that, and all these different strategies, I had to intentionally and actively tell myself these are not mistakes. Plateaus are not mistakes. They are meant to be here. These are the valleys. This is the opportunity for growth. This is, if I can give myself, again, the space and grace to figure it out, which I can, and I've done in so many other areas of my life, and if I can apply it to this and find the correction that's gonna give me the desired result, boom. But we just put such high expectations on ourselves and I'm a high achiever because of the shame, like, and yeah. the enneagram, I'm a three because, you know, I'm always trying to prove myself. I know that about myself. So like error and mistakes, like, yeah, you can call them that and I can intellectually make sense of them. But emotionally, I just like correction because it feels like I'm going the right direction. A, a mistake and an error feels like I've taken a step back. And I think in any growth, there's no step back. It's always going to be a peak in a valley because. You're going to get to the high point and then something's going to happen and you need to overcome another obstacle, another challenge. That's just life.
2: Mm. And
1: if you can accept that, acknowledge that and accept that and stop arguing with that reality, life is just so much more fun and so much easier. Yeah,
0: I love that distinction. And I love, you know, you obviously work with a bunch of high achievers, you're a high achiever yourself. And that trial and error, you know, like people don't want to make mistakes. And I don't know, from what I know from being in corporate America as well is I've had plenty of crying folks at many jobs in my room because they're so upset about a very, very small error they've made. And I feel like so many people, I feel like it's more common to have some sort of imposter syndrome or have this sort of like wanting to do their best and then not feeling like they've done enough. So trial and correction to me feels like a better term. I personally like to call it fuck around and find out.
2: I like um, that
1: too. I I'll swap for you swap. So like, if you can't say, wait, wait, what's yours again? Fuck around and find out. I ha- I'm literally writing this down. Fuck <laughs> around and find out.
0: I actually got that offer. It was a bloke on a... Um, I feel like it's a meme or it's some okay. sort of TikTok trim, t- trend and he's got yeah. like the y-axis and the x-axis yeah. and he's like you see the more you, oh, around, that.
2: The
1: more you find out
2: so, yeah, so now I, i'm
1: like <laughs> i remember so he's like teaching something and yeah he's like yeah the more you fuck around the more you find out or something and i was like damn i remember that yeah you know what i i have some folks who will reckon it uh who will uh that will resonate with but i also <laughs> it's the same thing as trial and correction i just think Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's be vulnerable. Like so many of us just feel shame in yeah. some area of our lives. And we have so, like, all of my clients have such high expectations, such high expectations. And they are experts at beating themselves up. And it's like the, the more we're willing to change that narrative or to be aware of it and acknowledge that, that that's our, you know, unintentional thought process. That's, that's the way we go. And then just offer an alternative that feels good, like trial and a correction or fuck around and find out. It just, <laughs> it takes the pressure off. It just feels so much easier. And the more we, we normalize it, it's not a me problem. It's an us problem as a society. Mm. Let's tackle it together. Absolutely. And you're Let's doing some
3: normalize. really great,
0: for sure. Let's normalize it. And you're doing some great work in this space because like, we're not taught how to deal with this sort of stuff. We're basically taught to strive for more, to be overachievers and to beat ourselves up. You know, oh, bad person, you got got a D, not good enough, or you got an A, therefore we're going to celebrate you for your achievements. I know that you do a lot of work on like self-awareness and thought work, and you're very intentional with your language as well. Can you share some, you know, tangible tips of how you might interact with a client who's struggling to See how they're being an expert at beating themselves up?
1: Yeah, I basically, first of all, I acknowledge and I understand. I've been there, I've done that, I do it, I get it. So, mm. you know, my job is, as a coach and a consultant is not to tell people what to do or how to do it, it's for me to have a collaborative growth relationship. And part of that relationship is allowing people the space to feel seen and heard. And sometimes not just by me, but by me showing them what they're thinking, showing them what they're feeling, they can see themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes it takes me to hold up the mirror for me to say, hey, because uh, I know in my coaching sessions I, with my coach, I'm like, diary of the mouth. And he's like, hold up, you just said this. And I'm like, what? Did I really just say that? And he's like, yeah, you did. And I'm like, oh shit, I did. And we <laughs> dive into it and we figure it out. So that in the coaching call, that's, that's what I like to do. I like to hold the mirror up so they can see what their brain is telling them, what their body is telling them. And we can really break that apart from you know an objective point of view. We separate our thoughts and our feelings and just really find the fact. Um, when they're off the calls, and that's the majority of the time, I try to work with them to find the best self-awareness practice. And that looks a little different for everybody. Some people like to journal. Some people like to walk and just be in their heads. Some people like to talk to themselves. Some people like to do yoga and, you know, just start paying attention, self-awareness to what's happening in their bodies. There's meditation. Um, there's so many things you can do, which is awesome. So I just try to get to know them and figure, help them figure out what self-awareness mm-hmm. practices will resonate and work for them and what they can start doing today. And some of them are already doing it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the coaching calls are a great, you know, start. And we just build from there. But really, I think the key is know thyself. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're feeling and know that, yeah, maybe you can't control the thought that you have. Maybe you can't control the feeling, but you can control what you do with it. Mm. And that's a and that's a skill set that, like you said, we are not taught as young children. And that is what I'm hoping to do with my children and some of the work I've been excited about as I grow into my professional space as a coach and a consultant is early intervention. Mm. If my eight year old self had the level of self-awareness or even remotely one level up than I had before, which I had zero or I did have it, but like it wasn't normalized. So I thought I was weird or something was wrong. But if we normalize self-awareness for these kids, the impact it will have on humanity is huge no matter what people's circumstances are and i truly truly believe that the level of our health and wellness will only increase as a whole globally
0: yeah it's that's insane to think about do you think that we're moving in the right direction with regards to like teaching kids self awareness
1: yes i do i think there is always more work to be done i think i think it starts with us as adults and i still see a gap like i always make a joke um with my coaching friends and, you know, people who are in the wellness space and understand wellness is that there are people, us, like us in the wellness space that this is our jam. This is our livelihood. This is our passion. We have seen the benefits. We've experienced it. We have stories. And then I like to call my other friends and family, like civilians, like they haven't gotten there yet, or they haven't gotten curious. They haven't questioned. They haven't, they haven't tried it. And I was, I was a civilian. Mm. I thought mindfulness was stupid. Mm -hmm. I thought yoga was a waste of time. I was like, who wants to stand there and just be in a tree pot? Like that's lame. But (laughs) I didn't understand that, that resistance. And I still have that resistance. It's completely normal. And I didn't have to follow it. Mm. And it just clicked for me one day that I didn't have to follow my thoughts and my feelings. I could control them just a little bit. And as I got more and more into the coaching space, I started finding more and more people who were curious like me or who were 10 steps ahead of me and the impact that self-awareness and self-regulation had on them. And I was like, I want more of this. So I think the more we can normalize it, the more we can offer it to people. We can't force people. People have to have a choice always. I believe in choice always, first and foremost. But the more people that we can offer it to and invite them, let them decide. And if they want to come along, show them the tools, the concepts, and the effect that self-awareness and regulation can have on your overall health and well-being. I think... I think it will be, I think every person, every mind that changes, every person that you impact, it does make a difference.
0: Mm, I totally agree with you as well. And I love that you shared those examples about, you know, maybe the civilians might not be keen right now, but by demonstrating it, that may be an in. And I think a mistake that like I personally made at the start of my personal development journey was definitely like, wanting everyone else to learn because you're like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, I learned about this thing. (laughs)
2: It's
1: amazing. Read this book. And they're like, Oh, that's where we get a cult like (laughs) mentality. That's where people are like, those are some cult ass weirdos. Like stay away. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. So I don't really like pursue these conversations with people unless they're interested. But usually when they hear that I lost 130 pounds, maintained it without dieting, they want to know more. And exactly. I tell them it was through self-awareness and regulation. It was through spending time with my brain, you know, yeah. spending time with my body and learning what it's doing and figuring out sometimes why it's doing it. And what are the options I have with those moments when I'm feeling like, one of the biggest regulations or, um, revelations I've had, and I have to thank my coach, he's incredible. He's, he's like one of the loves of my life, soulmate. He's just showed me so much, is that 99.9% of my life, I have anxiety, what I call anxiety. And I got very clear where I felt it. I used to think it was a problem. mm And now I know it's like, I have anxiety right now. I can tell you exactly what it feels like, where it's my body. And I just learned to sit with it and not react to it to the point of my brain telling me it's a problem. And I have to go to food. I can Mm -hmm. go to food if I want to. Sometimes I do, but I can sit with it. I don't have to react to it. And I think that is a beautiful thing that I've been given. And I've played with that and I've been able to build that skill set as well as watch my thoughts. Like I can have a thought and not react to it. Like for example, it's 745 my time PM I am not a night this is going to blow your mind, but I'm not a night person. Usually by five o'clock my brain is off. I'm done. Wow. I had resistance right before the call. My brain told me, you should just cancel. You don't want to do this. You're tired. And I was like, cool. And I just went and I sat down at the computer and I logged on and I'm having one of the best conversations I've ever had. So old me would have panicked and maybe been like, should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? I'm tired. Am I going to be good? And it's going to spiral. Instead, I can just know that my brain is just trying to protect me. Mm. And it's okay. I don't have to, I don't have to put my integrity on the line because of my thoughts. And that's another skill set that self-awareness will teach you. So there's a lot of beautiful things that come from this space, a
2: self-development. Mm.
0: That quote, though, I don't have to put my integrity
1: on the, on the line
0: because of my thoughts. That's,
1: that's a powerful. big one. Yeah, that's a powerful one. And that's something I did for a long time. Now, I did it with food. Thank God it wasn't like drugs or alcohol. I didn't end up in jail. I'm not dead. I'm not in a hospital. Like... I haven't had major life consequences from it. But I lived a majority of my life not living in my integrity, not living in my authenticity, being a people pleaser, being a perfectionist, all these key buzz terms that we're hearing. Mm. And I just decided I'm not, I'm not playing this game. I'm not doing this. I am opting out. Good luck, God bless, On to my life. This is my life. Mm. And even though I have resistance and I have a lot of it and I want to, and that's one of my big things is I want to normalize resistance. I want to normalize negative thoughts. I want to normalize negative feelings. I want to normalize objections, negative self-talk, mind drama, head trash, all of it. We all have it. Mm. And telling yourself it's a problem and just think happy thoughts is absolute fucking bullshit. (laughs) Yep. It's absolute fucking bullshit, and I am sorry. It does not work for me. If it works for you, God bless. But like, it's okay that I'm not thinking happy things all of the time or feeling great. But I can mm. still show up in my integrity and authenticity. I agree. If I can do it. You can do it. Anyone can do it.
0: Yeah, that toxic positivity can make us snowflakes as well. Because the reality is, is. Life's not always going to be amazing. If, you know, when your parent dies, that's for most people not going to be a happy feeling. You know, when your dog dies, that's not going to be a happy feeling. Even if you just can't use your knee, like I'm thinking I did my MCL snowboarding once, like that's not, and you need to learn how to deal with those sorts of
1: things. It's snowing in Columbus, Ohio, and dark. I'm not a happy person. I'm sunshine (laughs) and rays and warmth. And like, I'm, I always say, like, I'm a much happier person in summertime. And that's okay. I can still show up and work. I can still show up and be a great parent and a supportive wife and spouse and a good friend and a a good person to myself,
2: a Mm. good partner to
1: myself and show up for my body and show up for my brain. And you can just have off days. Hormones affect the way you feel. Stress. I mean, it could just be someone says the wrong thing at the wrong time. It's okay not to like it, Mm. but you still don't have to react in it to it in a way that's either going to be, that's going to be at the expense of yourself
0: absolutely this this feeling of neutrality i think is this this kind of neutrality when you're responding to your environment or just being able to respond rather than react because i feel like if you're you know super super happy about something or super super not happy about something that's that reactive state rather than responding to your environment but i will say i had this conversation with somebody and i triggered them by saying like by saying that I was really neutral all the time, it was actually a previous boss of mine. Mine mm-hmm. and um, I was like, I'm always a five or a six out of ten. Like I'm not going to let this yeah. go either way because you know I kind of got to look at it objectively here. <laughs> and I know yeah. that that feeling of ne- neutrality probably isn't is news to some people. Like some people have been taught to react.
1: Yeah, yeah. My husband, I would say, is a neutral person. I'm like, why do you never get mad about shit? Like, there's a lot of (laughs) terrible shit in the world. He's like, I'm mad. But what are the most profound things he said? And he's a civilian too. So like Mm -hmm. the fact that I've learned so much from someone who's like not into coaching, not into Mm -hmm. self-development, but he says the most profound shit that I'm like, you would make so much money just like, even (laughs) though you're not into (laughs) this shit. He said to me, my emotions are not for you. They're oh. for me. And I said, Say what now? He goes, You didn't ask for them. I mean, if you want me to show you mad, I can. But when he's mad, he's angry, he's upset. He feels that. He feels those emotions, but it's a private matter. Mm. Unless, obviously, his threat response is to fight because he, it, it, sometimes we're in traumas. Obviously, if you're being attacked, if someone's coming at you, like there are certain traumatic experiences that you've got to, you got to react to, or you will react to because it's not an everyday thing, exactly. but we've been that we are, our days are kind of like roundhog day. They're very similar. They're within a spectrum. We're not dealing with, you know, up and down. We're not dealing with lots of trauma. We're dealing with, or big T trauma. We're dealing with smaller traumas. Like Oh, I got a flat tire, or oh, we're running late, or I spilled my coffee. Not like there's assault or something very serious going on, but he does have emotions, and he does it. But it's for him, and and I think no one should shame anybody for the way they experience their emotions. If you if you resonate with neutrality, that's how you do it, and it's your process, and that's for you. That's not for him.
0: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I love it how you mentioned you shouldn't shame people for emotions as well. One thing is like that I do want to clarify is that I'm not a neutral person when it comes to expressing myself, but just like when it comes to work and situations, I won't get overly excited over like a really great scenario or a really not great scenario. It's all about like, how can we break this apart in a cognitive way? Emotions are, are a whole different thing, but you know, that's something that I've had to learn in relationships. Um, I think you expect other people to love you in the way that you like to be loved. And certainly in my 20s, I was like, why aren't you spending more time with me? Why don't you like want to touch me? And it's like, because that person
1: doesn't love you in the same way that you love them. In your experience, do people take your neutrality as a lack of caring? Like a lack of... Because I know my husband, we've had these conversations where he's like, I feel like people think I don't care about things or don't care about people because I'm not expressive in my emotions. I'm not outwardly expressive or reactive. And so I was just curious if you've ever had that experience.
0: I'm not like that in relationships.
1: That's specific to work. But I
0: mean, in work, do
1: people like, have you gotten feedback like, oh, you just are not? No, I haven't.
0: I have felt that about people though that I've been in relationships with. I perceive it as emotional unavailability. Mm -hmm. I think the reason I don't get that at work is because I take action too. Oh,
2: okay.
0: I'll be neutral in a conversation and I won't express my emotion, but then I'll take action and there'll be process changes. But I have been in relationships that have been the other way around where I have felt maybe they haven't expressed their emotions and I've definitely felt My opinion is that
1: it's like, do you not care enough? (laughs) You know, being a human being and relating to others is just real funny business. Like (laughs) whatever you believe in terms of like religion, spirituality, the origin of humanity, like it's just odd. It's just odd the way we communicate, we relate with the way we perceive things. It's just if you really sit down and think about it, it's just real fucking odd. (laughs) It's It's so strange because we we thrive on connection, but we also are in our own brains and in our own Mm -hmm. bodies. Like I, yeah, I can pick up intuitively and pick up social cues and certain things and get an idea. But like, I don't know what you're thinking right now. I don't know what you're feeling, but yet we're supposed to be connecting. It's just odd. Like, can't we be avatars and put our little ponytails together or something? So yeah. like, yeah. How do we do this? Like, it's just, it's just so fascinating human behavior and relationships.
0: It's so weird. And I will have to admit, in my early 20s, it really fucked me up as well because I um, literally thought that when people were nice to me, it meant that they liked me and they there wasn't any hidden agendas and they were just nice. And if they're being lovely, then that means they liked, they're nice to me. And then when I hear that they're talking about me behind my back, I'm like... Oh, but we had a great conversation the
1: other day and just lived in that little la la land. But you know, I <laughs> But I love that for you because I kind of grew up with the distrust because oh, of the opposite. My, the opposite. So people were being nice to me and I'm like don't trust them. There's something yeah. there's something wrong. This is not this is not real. And so I've kind of kind of thrown my hands up like it's not my responsibility. Other people's thoughts and feelings are not my responsibility. Doesn't mean I don't care. Doesn't mean that if someone came to me and said, what you said hurt my feelings or what you did didn't make me feel good. Doesn't mean I don't care. But again, like I have to regulate myself. I have to figure out my own shit. Yes. I think there are social norms. And like, obviously if you're going to like call someone a bitch to their face and just be like, I'm not responsible for the way you feel like, come on, like, (laughs) <laughs> we, we all kind of know social constructs, but like if I'm doing something that I feel is nice, like, oh, Hey, opening the door for someone and that just pissed someone off. Like I'm not responsible for that. Mm. Yeah. I can't control what other people are feeling or thinking, or, you know, if I forgot to hold the door open on accident, cause I was preoccupied, like I would apologize of course, but again, it was nothing personal. And I think because we are in our brains, we are in our heads. We take a lot of stuff personal, but I like, listen, I think La La Land is a fantastic fucking place to be. <laughs> like, Why not go there? Why not be there? Like instead of constantly feeling like something's out to get you or when mm. the food's going to drop, like I've had to, I've had to switch that to trusting to, you know, we are having a lovely conversation. I hope you feel the same way, but if you don't, Got to give me feedback. I don't know what you're thinking or what you're
0: (laughs) feeling. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam. A quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high-energy, ambitious business girly with... Massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goalgetter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code LORILEE. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. I'm really enjoying this conversation. And I actually want to put it out there. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) And I think it's great for listeners to listen to this specific thing as well. Is like, we're all on this different side of the fence, whether we're more like pessimistic towards people or more pessimistic towards ourselves or more optimistic towards other people. I would probably argue that most of us are pessimistic internally and then it takes us to learn. But, um, you know, the lesson I've had to learn is like, if I give out good energy, if I'm nice to people and they choose to abuse that, like that's on them. Of okay. course, there's certain, you know, trust cycles. And I love what you've needed to learn as well in terms of like mm-hmm. other people's kind of emotions aren't my problem. And that's kind of where I've been is like everyone's doing their best. Other people's emotions aren't my problem. If I'm kind to you, and you shove it in my face that's your problem not mine unless you've got some really great feedback to give me of how I can improve
1: <laughs> yeah if you want to come to me in a loving kind way and tell me how I fucked up or I did something wrong or whatever I- I'm here I'm here mm-hmm. for it and I think and I think that's where everyone needs to take responsibility as much as they can in the moment of their thoughts and feelings yes we know people have different circumstances maybe there's mental health issues there's physical issues, there's resource issues, financial issues. There's there's a slew of things that can make it more difficult for people. But I think we're saying the same thing of I try to look at the world and people that when I'm interacting with people, they're doing the best they can with what they have exactly. and whatever that is it is. And if they're calling me a bitch to my face, that's the best they're doing for me. And, and <laughs> I'll take it as best as I can in the moment. So, so yeah. Yeah. No one leaves the door of
0: their house thinking, I'm going to fuck off as many people as possible today.
1: (laughs) But if they are, I hope they're doing the best with what they can, whatever it is. (laughs)
0: Exactly. I have really, really, really enjoyed this conversation, like in terms of accountability, thought work, self awareness, your Ah. journey, which has been insane. I honestly, there's like so much I'd love to dive into about your five truths, but we're coming to time here. So I think I'm just going to open up the floor to you. Okay. Is there anything that you wanted to share with the audience today that you felt like you haven't shared yet? Hmm. Well, I think I've shared a lot of good
3: stuff. Um, I would say this. Don't wait. There's no perfect
1: time. There is no right time. If there is something that's been heavy on your heart, on your mind, something you wanted to change, transform, grow, you want for yourself. There is no fucking right time. No amount of money, no circumstances is going to make it the right time if you can look at it through the lens of what can i do today to get myself one step closer that is going to have massive impact on the way you experience your life than holding off don't let that fear because i understand fear very very well don't let that fear hold you back it's the fear is just a sensation it's just an emotion in your body and Figure out whatever you can do to hold the space
3: to, to, to move through
1: and move with those emotions and those sensations. You can handle it. You can do hard things and it's okay. And And growth comes from doing hard things. I'm not going to sit here and tell you losing 130 pounds without dieting was fucking easy. It was the hardest shit I've ever done, but I have grown as a person exponentially. And I think it's um, Dan Sullivan who says, when you do like the hard things, when you do the hard growth, the task, this strategic byproducts from this work will blow your fucking mind. My parenting, my relationship with my kids, I have broken cycles and patterns that I have experienced, um, generational patterns. My husband and I, are in a thriving, healthy relationship, which was not always that way. Um, the relationship I have with myself, my finances, uh, with friends, my career, just like when you take it inward and focus it on you, which is not selfish, but you prioritize what you want, your health, your wellness, whatever is important to you, it will have a butterfly effect on all the other areas and the people in your life. So don't wait for the right moment. We know life is so fragile. It can be taken from us at any time, any moment. Do something today for yourself that will bring you joy, happiness, wellness, whatever resonates with you.
0: Mm, Such an important point to end on because so many people delay their future to tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And really they're sabotaging today and putting themselves as that
1: last priority. Because um, their brains telling them they have to take massive action, and yeah, and it, it doesn't work like that. You'll never mm. sustain that. Do the small steps every day. What can I do today? What can I do today? Maybe it's a five minute walk. Maybe it's drinking your water. Maybe it's getting up at a certain time. I have no fucking clue. It's different but figure it out. You can do it, and mm. get whatever tools. There's tons of free resources, podcasts like this amazing podcast. Figure out what you can do to advocate for your health and well-being and for yourself.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure everyone listening has learned like one little tiny thing they can. can I'm
1: curious, please like follow me on Instagram or social media. Tell me what you learned, like what resonated with you. I'm so curious because like, I I love listening to podcasts. I love and I always find value. I always come into it and say, I'm going to find something of value. So I would love to know what resonated with everybody.
0: Absolutely. Perfect time for you to share your socials. Yeah. Where can we, where can yeah. we find you? Where can we learn about your so like your coaching and everything yeah. like that? Listen,
1: I have no virtual assistant. I have no team. It's just me. So <laughs> if reach out to me. You're talking to Aaron Tennant. You're talking to the Grow Well Coach. So you can go to my website, www.thegrowwellcoach.com. And you can book a free consultation, we can hop on a call, Uh, we can hop on a zoom, we can hear what's going on for you. And I can explain my coaching and consulting practice and see if we're a good fit or refer you out if I don't, if I can't help in that scope of work, or we're not a good fit. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Coaching. And again, DM me, follow me all the things I love to have conversations, even if you don't want to work with me. And I, you just like what I'm saying or you want to get to know me. Love it. I'm also on LinkedIn um, under my name, Erin Tenet.
0: Awesome. I'm sure that so many people have received so much value from you, Erin. And I hope that people reach out to you and I and, and have yeah. chats. I also like sidebar, love that you refer people out that aren't a good fit. Personally, as a fitness trainer, I like my best fit were people who like were anxious coming to the gym and people either starting in the gym or yo-yoed to the gym. And I was the best at like helping them feel comfortable in the gym. If I had like a bro dude that like wanted to count as macros and stuff, it's like, yeah, I can count macros, but I'm not the best coach for you. This person, however, though,
1: is yeah. fabulous. <laughs> I get some people who are like, yeah, I, I'm still uncomfortable with the idea of not dieting. I want to diet. I know tons of people. Listen, I've done all the diets. If you want to explore that, I will hook you up with a coach that can <laughs> macros, that will do containers, that will calorie count. Um, if you're the opposite and you're like, I want to do intuitive eating. Like I, my value that I can offer is connecting you with the with the best support. And mm. maybe that's not me, but that's what feels good to me. I would never want to waste anyone's money, time or my time. It's just, I can't, I'm not the right fit for everybody. I know that, but I want to get people the help that they want, whatever that looks
0: like. Mm. Just goes to show you're passionate about what you do, like helping humans step into that non-overwhelmed you know, version of themselves that's yeah. living
1: the, the life to the best of their ability. I've been where they're at. I've been overwhelmed. Yeah. I've been exhausted. I've been burnt out. I've been in the shame cycle. It fucking sucks. I'm on the other side. And it feels overall generally doesn't mean I don't have bad days. Doesn't mean I don't have the resistance. I have all of it but it feels so much better because I know I can handle it. I am practicing the skill sets. I have the toolbox to handle what life brings me. Mm. Yeah, I love and it's that. A bit, and if I can do it, it's available to anybody too if they want it. Definitely. I'd agree.
0: We do have a final question on this podcast, Ooh, Erin. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And that final question is, if you were sitting across the table from your 20-year-old self right now, what one sentence of advice would you give her?
2: Oh God,
3: I just got a lot of anxiety from that question, but that was a good one. Um, I would tell her, don't worry. I would tell a few things. Don't worry. You're enough and you are going to figure it out.
0: That's it. Mm -hmm. She just needs to fuck
1: around first, and then she'll yeah, figure you it out. Yeah, she needs to fuck around and figure it out. That's what I tell her. girl. You need to fuck around some more and figure it out. I <laughs> A lot, and it took me a while to figure it out, but I guess I did figure it out because I, I fucked around a lot with those diets. <laughs> those are that's a
0: really great, great piece of advice, though, because we do always figure it out.
1: Well, yeah, if you, if maybe you we don't, but I think you do. I think if you stay committed mm. and you're resilient and you're willing. And you don't have these high expectations and box yourself into a corner and give yourself just like no room to make trial and corrections, then you won't, you, you won't ultimately figure it out if you make it so difficult. But if you say this is life, this is journey, whether it's my last dying breath and I finally figured it out, cool. At least I tried. That feels <laughs> so much better than being like, well, if I don't have it today and I don't have it in six months and I haven't lost this amount of weight by this time, then what's the fucking point? that mindset Mm. is not useful or helpful.
0: Yeah, that fixed mindset, like you need to be an active participant in your life to really find out what lights you up and find out what's for you.
1: And do it the way that works for you. And the way, like I said, the, the tips that worked for me might not work for you, but use that to figure out, to inspire, get curious. What if I did eat four every four or what if I ate four to six times a day? What if I moved my body intentionally just to take care of myself. What would that look like? What would, how would that work for me? Mm. How wouldn't that work for me? I don't know. Figure it out. Ask yourself questions and answer them and then take action on them. Mm. Then evaluate them and keep moving forward. That's the process. It's really not that hard. People, people like to complicate growth. It's literally having a vision, having motivators, goals, and you know, getting curious and, and trying things, correcting them and evaluating and keep doing the process. It's a rinse and repeat.
3: Mm, yeah. It never ends. If you want to keep growing. I love that. Yeah. Me
1: too. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really, I had a lot of resistance because of the time I sat with <laughs> it. I'm so glad I came. I'm so glad you're here
0: I hope that you I hope that you have increased in energy and you know as a side note I don't do evening recordings either because I'm not my best anymore now either so you you got in before the cutoff so just because I'm not my best either
1: (laughs) I appreciate your energy because you helped you made it very easy for me to come and just talk about what I love and do my thing so thank you thank you And thanks so much for being here. Very grateful to have you here. And for everyone
0: listening at home, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining.